This is Mitchell McLam, lead pastor of Sapona Road Church in Fayetteville, North Carolina. We're so excited you found our podcast. Our prayer is that you're blessed by today's message. If you would like more information about Sapona Road Church or would like to give to this ministry, please visit our website at saponaroadchurch.com. We hope you have a great day and enjoy today's message. Father, I thank you that I was worth saving. Father, I thank you that I was worth dying for. God, that I didn't have to stay in the place that I was, but you bought, redeemed me, but then you changed who I am. You made me new. You give me new purpose. God, but it's not so that I could keep it to myself, but it's so that I could be free and I could be whole. But then, Lord, so that I could tell everybody that I could go into all the world and share the gospel and tell what you've done for me, Lord. I thank you, Lord. God, I pray that as we transition into your word this morning, Father, that you'd open our hearts and our minds. God, that I'd simply be a vessel that your anointing would rest that makes preaching easier. Father, and I would simply be an open mouth to deliver your word. Open our hearts and our minds to what you'd say to us this morning in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You may be seated. I don't know about you. Maybe you don't have these kind of problems, but there's some days you wake up, maybe not you, but you just don't feel worth a whole lot. Amen? Maybe it's just me. There's some days you get up and you wonder, what in the world am I even doing? And then you take a minute and you can be reminded that to the Creator... You were worth him sending and sacrificing his son. Amen. So that you and I not only could be forgiven, but so that we could be made whole, that we could be made complete again. I'm so thankful for that. Amen. Amen. We have been in this discussion for the last couple weeks, thanks and giving, and we've been talking about a thankful heart, and we have uh, talked about Two different scenarios, we talked about the lepers and how they came to Jesus and when Jesus came about, they stood at a distance and they cried out and they shouted out to him uh, for some help. They were crying out, but Jesus told them to go see the priests and on their way, they were healed. And one of the, the ten turned back and he went back to Jesus. He recognized what had taken place. He remembered who it was that had spoke life into him. And then he went and he fell at the feet of Jesus And I told you that a thankful heart brings us to the place where Jesus is at. A thankful heart brings us closer to Jesus. And then I told you last week we looked at uh, Paul's writing in 1 Thessalonians when he was talking to the church at Thessalonica. He said, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and in in everything give thanks. And uh, we talked about how the life of 
rejoicing, the life of joy leads to a constant prayer. And without the joy of the Lord, uh, we cannot have that constant prayer line, the lifeline with the Father. But if we have the constant lifeline with the Father, then life naturally would be a life of joy. Amen? Not only that, it would lead to us giving thanks in all circumstances. Good, the bad, the ugly, whatever come, we're realizing who we are, whose we are, the grace that God has given us and giving thanks in those times. So today I want to finish this up. I want to wrap this up by looking at uh, the, the book of Exodus, chapter 35. And I have a lot of scripture that I want to read to you. But I want us to, to get the point of what's going on. Exodus chapter 35, I'm going to read verses 4 through 9, and then I'm going to move to verse 20 and read some, and then we're going to move to chapter 36 just a little bit. So in chapter 35, beginning in verse 4, it says, And Moses spoke to all the congregation. Somebody say, all the congregation. All the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, This is the thing which the Lord commanded, saying, Take from among you an offering to the Lord, whoever is of a willing heart. Somebody say, willing heart. Let him bring it as an offering to the Lord. Gold, silver, and bronze, blue, purple, and scarlet thread, fine linen, goat's hair, ram skins, dyed red, uh, badger skins and acacia wood, oil for the light, spices for the anointing oil, and for the sweet incense, onyx stones and stones to be set in the ephod and in the breastplate. Then move into verse 20. It says, And all the congregation, somebody say, All the congregation, they depart, the children of Israel departed from the presence of Moses. Then everyone whose heart was stirred and everyone whose spirit was willing. And they brought the Lord's offering for the work of the tabernacle of meeting, for all its service, for the holy garments. They came, both men and women, as many as had willing heart, and brought earrings, nose rings, rings, necklaces, all jewelry of gold, that is, every man who made an offering of gold to the Lord. And every man with whom was found blue, purple, scarlet thread, fine linen, goat's hair, red skins of rams, badger skins, brought them. Everyone who offered an offering of silver and bronze brought the Lord's offering. And everyone with whom was found acacia wood for any work of service brought it. All the women who were gifted artisans spun yarn with their hand and brought what they had spun of blue, purple, and scarlet and fine linen. All the women whose hearts were stirred with wisdom spun yarn of goat's hair. The rulers brought onyx stones and the stones to be set in the ephod and in the breastplate and spices and the oil for the light and for the anointing oil and for the sweet incense. The children of Israel brought a free will offering to the Lord, all the men and women whose hearts were willing to bring material of all kinds of work which the Lord by the hand of Moses had commanded to be done. And then let's skip real quick to chapter 36 beginning in verse 1. And it says, And Bezalel and Aheliab, and every gifted artisan in whom the Lord has put wisdom and understanding to know how to do all manner of work for the service of the sanctuary, shall do according to all the Lord has commanded. Then Moses called Bezalel and Aheliab, and every gifted artisan in whose heart the Lord had put wisdom, everyone whose heart was stirred to come and do the work. And they received from Moses all the offering which the children of Israel had brought, 
for the work of the service of making the sanctuary. So they continued bringing to him free will offerings every morning. Then all the craftsmen who were doing all the work of the sanctuary came, each from the work he was doing. And they spoke to Moses, saying, The people bring much more than enough for the service of the work which the Lord commanded us to do. So Moses gave a commandment, and they caused it to be proclaimed throughout the camp, saying, Let neither man nor woman do any more work for the offering of the sanctuary. And the people were restrained from bringing, for the material they had was sufficient for all the work to be done, indeed too much. I know that was a lot, but what's taking place is they're getting to the point, this is the, the Israelites, the children of Israel, they have, um, they have left Egypt, they're here, they're ready to build their tabernacle, they're ready to build their sanctuary, and God has given the command to Moses, he's given all the instructions, he's given the outline, the blueprint, the, the details, and here now, Moses has commanded the people, he's brought all the congregation together, and he's just simply said, hey, whatever you have, whatever it is that's in your house, whether it be gold, silver, linen, whether it be your talents, whatever it is, we need you to bring it to the, the house. We need you to bring it as part of this, this payment as an offering for the service so that the tabernacle, so that the sanctuary can be built. He said, but let your heart be stirred. Whoever's willing, whoever has a willing heart, you, you would bring your offering to the tabernacle. And so what takes place is he gives this command, he puts out this charge, and all these people go, and, and you saw it repeatedly over this passage of Scripture, and that's why I wanted to read it to you, where their hearts were stirred, or they brought with a willing heart, and they brought their, uh, their free offering, whatever it is. And so here we see these people that are coming together with whatever it is that they have to bring their offerings to the tabernacle so that the tabernacle could be constructed. And in the end, what happens of that last part that I read you in chapter 36, the people that are going to be building that their services are required to lift up the tabernacle to build the sanctuary says, look, already more has been brought than is needed. So what we want to see is out of the thankfulness that they have, where these people have come from, where they have been led out of, now here they're in this place of, of life where they're on their own, they're doing their own thing, they're building up their tabernacle to lift up praises to a place of sanctuary, a place of worship. Here, they're, they're, there's never a doubt, there's never a holdback for them to bring their offering to the Lord. There's never a holdback. So I want us to look real quick at this, this passage, just kind of break it down. The people are bringing their offerings to the tabernacle. It was a willing heart that led to the construction of the tabernacle. You look at verse 5 uh, in chapter 35, it says, uh, whoever has a willing heart. It's interesting to me that Moses doesn't actually say, hey, whether you like it or not, whether you have a willing heart or not, I want you, if you got this, we need it. He's wanting them to actually be moved by God. He's wanting them to have a heart that is willing to bring forth the offering. It, it's one thing for, for uh, God to give us a command and and just kind of say, hey, I need you to do this or this, or I need you to sacrifice this part of your life. And even though we may not be willing, we do it, but we do it begrudgingly. Well, how productive or fruitful really is that? And so God doesn't want our, our, uh, our uh, begrudging, or he doesn't want our, our unwillingness in the sacrifice. He don't need it. 
It's not about the fact of him needing what we have that he's already given us. He gave it to us in the first place. So if he gave it to us, why couldn't he have just used it in another area? You with me? So he doesn't necessarily need what we have anyway. What he needs is our willing heart, our free giving heart, and that's what Moses is saying. If you're willing, bring your offering, bring your sacrifices to the temple. So right off the bat, we have to understand that realistically, God doesn't necessarily need the offering. He doesn't need the sacrifice. He wants the willing heart. So we see that repeatedly. You see it in verse 5. You see it in verse 21 again, uh, where everyone came whose heart was stirred. It's interesting that whenever an opportunity is given, we were just talking about the the offering and a seed offering that Micah and I uh, were able to participate in several years back. It was unreal how when an opportunity was given, no different than I have attempted to present to you, how if you will really pray and you'll seek God on that situation and you seek what it is, Lord, am I supposed to do? God, what is it? How am I supposed to offer this, this sacrifice to you? What kind of offering am I supposed to bring to the house? The Lord will stir in your heart and sometimes it's going to blow your mind. It, it did us that day. When the Lord really dropped it in my spirit, what it was we were supposed to do, there was no doubt whatsoever that it had to have been a stirring of the Lord. So if you will take a, a minute and you... When, when an opportunity is presented, maybe not necessarily a monetary offering, whatever it is, whether it be an opportunity for you to give a talent, whether it be an opportunity for you to serve and, and give uh, your time in some way, if you will take a step back and you just settle down for a minute and say, Lord, what is it you want from me? God will stir your heart, and if you have the willing heart, will move you to a way that you take that to the tabernacle. The tabernacle later was built because of their willing hearts. Well, why were they willing? Well, they had been delivered. This is a people that had been through some stuff. This was a group of people that had been through a time of slavery. They had been through struggles. They had been through bondage. And here they had been delivered. They have gone through this time of of deliverance. They've received their freedom. And they understand where the freedom come from. So their heart was thankful. They were full of thanksgiving. James 1.17 says every good and perfect gift comes from above. And they knew that, that the gift that they have was from the Father. The least that they could do was offer what it was that they now possess, what it is that they now had, back. The willingness came from what God had done for them. The second thing to notice is that they brought what they had. You see a really wide variety of items that Moses is asking for. You see him asking for silver and gold and jewelry. You see him asking for uh, yarn and linens and goat hair. And you see him asking for tan ram's hides. And there's this wide variety of things that are being asked for. There's ladies that have actually, that they, uh, the, Verse 26 says, all the women whose hearts stirred with wisdom spun yarn of goat's hair. They, they used the talent, the gifting that they had to spin the yarn. There's this wide variety of, of items that are coming to the house. And each one of them had a part to play. Each one of them had a role to play. So all the congregation of the children of Israel came together, and all of them brought each their own gift. They brought each their own offering. Well, we can see that for you and I. We are very different. Amen? 
Some of us have red hair. Some of us have no hair. Some of us have gray salt and pepper hair. Some of us have curly hair. Some of us have straight hair. Some of us have blue eyes, brown eyes. Some of us are tall. Some of us are short. Some of us can sing. Some of us can't sing. Some of us think we can sing. Whatever it is, we all have, we're all different. We speak different languages. It drives me nuts when I go to the Spanish service and I can't understand everything that's going on and I can't speak Spanish to communicate fluently. The Lord, one day I believe, is going to give me the fluent language of Spanish. We're different, right? So what we have to offer is going to look very, very different. We come from different classes of of life. We come from different backgrounds. We have different careers. We have different jobs. We have different opportunities. Everything that that revolves around our, our families look different. Some of us have kids. Some of us don't. Some of us have been married. Some of us are not married. All these different things. Life is different. So what I have to bring to the table is completely different than what you have to bring to the table. What I know how to cook is completely different than what you know how to cook. That's what makes homecomings and this time when we can come together on the 16th, that's what makes them so fun is you're going to bring something totally different than what I'm going to bring. And this is no different. Moses said that here are are the items that we need. Here's what God's commanded. Here's what the, the needs to come in for payment for the services for the tabernacle to be built. And no one person can do it. No two people can bring what needs to be brought so that this can happen. And the kingdom of God is no different. No one person can bring to the table everything that needs to be brought to the table so that the kingdom of God can go forward. It's not possible. If it were, sure enough, Billy Graham or or somebody like him would have been one that could have done it. He didn't. There's still people lost and going to hell. So each one of us, just like each one of them, has special gifts. We've each been given a gift. We've each been given a talent. But what's so cool is you look at the body, and uh, the body has so many different members, and uh, Scripture talks about it, you know, that my my left hand is is not really a whole lot of good without my right hand, and my, my toes have an important function, and I need my eyes to be able to see, my ears to be able to hear, and in the same sense, each one of us has a specific role in the family. Not only do we have a specific role of what we can do, but we have a specific role of what we bring. My fingers have nerve endings that carry the, the transmission to my brain to tell me what they feel. In the same sense, I have giftings, I have talents, you have giftings, you have talents that bring to the head the things of God. We each come together, and it's interesting that when all of these people, all the Israelites, the children, the entire congregation of the children of Israel, as their hearts were stirred, when they come together, they bring forth what ends up being more than enough in chapter 36. It gets to the point they have to say, hold up, just stop. We've got all we need. We've been given enough. I don't know of any, any situation in our culture today where somebody would look at you and say, no, I don't need no more. That's enough. I don't know of any church, any missionary, any ministry whatsoever that would look at you and say, no, we've got enough. 
not because of selfishness or trying to be whatever we're trying to be, but because of the fact that there's still people always that can be reached. There's always somebody that can be touched. There's always some special place that, that if we could just reach or we could just get into that, that place, there's always somewhere where lives could be changed. So it's never enough, but here these people with their willing hearts stirred by the Holy Spirit have brought so much to the table. They've brought forth their offerings to the point that it, it, it's enough. The New King James title over verse 2 says, The people give more than enough. No pastor in the history of churches has ever said, People, you've given more than enough. I mean, really. We have too many volunteers. Not. Never said anybody. We have too many people standing in line to take up the offering. Not. It doesn't happen. But they all come together to make it happen. So they give with a willing heart. They each give what they have to give, but the reward is great. Did you know the reward is great? God has given us the inheritance. He's given us this reward that we've talked about weeks ago. That it's this incorruptible, this inheritance that one day we're going to receive the hope of salvation. Amen? And these people knew that as they gave, as they brought forth their offerings, the tabernacle would be erected and, and they would have a place that was a holy sanctuary for them to worship. The reward was great. Jesus said it like this. He said in, in the Gospel of Luke, he said, given it will be given to you, good measure pressed down, shaken together and running over. Paul said it like this. He said, so sparingly reaps sparingly. He who sows bountifully also reaps bountifully. But then he says, so let each one give as, gives as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly, or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. It's a heart condition. The way that we present ourselves to give everything that we are, wherever we are, not just in the church, in our place of work, in our homes, Wherever it is that God has placed us, whoever it is he's placed us over, whoever he's placed us in the midst of, whatever we sow, we reap. Whether we sow a little or whether we sow bountifully, The reward is whatever we give, the effort we put forward comes back to us, pressed down, shaken together, running over. But Jesus said, God loves a cheerful giver. Proverbs 4.23 says, keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the spring of life. 
It's a heart condition. And that's what this whole series of conversations has been to bring us to. When we walk with a heart of thankfulness, when we walk with a heart that's full of the abundance of gratitude for what God's done for us, then we can't help but our life to be a reflection that we're giving back. That every morning we wake up, we take an offering, not just to the tabernacle, but wherever it is God's placed us, wherever it is he's called us to, we take an offering, we take ourselves as a living sacrifice to live out that day, to live out the purpose that he's placed for us that day. Not out of necessity and not, out of, uh, not with this grudge, but as, as scripture says, but on purpose. That we give on purpose as we purpose in our heart. That means we put forth the thought, we put forth the concentration and the understanding to know that something's got to come out of what's, what's going in. We do it on purpose. But it's a heart condition. But why do we do it? We do it the same reason that these Israelites did. You take a minute and you look at where you come from and you look at where you've been through. You look at the blessings God's poured out on you, how undeserving we are to be here, how undeserving we are of the forgiveness and the grace, how, how unworthy I was. We sing the song, you thought I was worth saving, how unworthy we were. But so that I could be made full, that I could be made whole. These people were brought out of the bondage of slavery. You and I were brought out of the bondage of slavery. We're no longer slaves to fear. We're no longer slaves to our sin. We're no longer bound to the, 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 the bondage of sin. Now we're free. We've been made new. And no different. From these Israelites, should we be freely, with a willful heart, given our offerings, given ourselves? Would you stand with me? Would you come play something soft for me, please, man? When we pull all this together, when we recognize where we were, you and I were sick. We were damned under the curse of sin. Sick. We received the salvation. 
You can think back and you can remember. Hopefully you can remember your transition point. You remember your moment. Where God made that shift in you and you now had a new hope for salvation and you now had a new purpose. And you can remember it. And repeatedly, we know we have to go back and we have to give thanks and we have to remember what it is that God's done for us. Just like that leper, Jesus said, didn't I heal ten, but where's the other nine? And you and I are supposed to be the one that we remember, we know without a shout of a doubt that God's given this opportunity to the rest of the world. That we don't forget. We remember who it is that we were, who it is that we are. And we walk in the joy of the Lord always. Whether it be good or bad or whether we be up the creek without a paddle. Whatever come, let it come. Because I'm walking on salvation. When I walk through this storm, when I walk through this trial, I'll walk out and on the other side, I'm still God's. And I need the lifeline. I have to remain in prayer to, to stay in constant communication with him. Through that constant communication, through the lifeline, through the blood of Jesus, comes the joy. And out of all of that, I can give thanks in every circumstance. Because I'm not thankful for the circumstance. I'm not thankful through the, for the trial. I'm thankful for the hope of salvation. And keeping all that in mind and knowing all of that. We have a kingdom to build. God's kingdom has been established. And each one of us are residents of the kingdom. We're all part of the kingdom. We all have such an important role to play. And not one person is going to do it on their own. And here it is. I told you that when we started this, the, the whole goal was just that we take a second and instead of looking at this season of thanksgiving as a season of thanksgiving, really pushing and, and, and allowing God to twist and change our hearts to, to change us to have a heart of gratitude all the time. And that through that, we start purposefully living and purposely seeking out what offering it is that I'm supposed to take to the house. What offering is it, God, I'm supposed to lay before you? You've given me the gift to cook? Awesome. You've given me the gift to clean a toilet? Awesome. You've given me the gift to see if a picture's hanging straight on the wall? Awesome. You've given me to get the gift to run numbers? Awesome. Given me a gift to sell insurance? Awesome. It doesn't matter what it is. 
These people, some of them had gold, some of them had silver, some of them had linen, some of them had goat's hair, some of them had tan ram skins. All of these things had value. Each of them had value. And together, when all the value come together, there was more than enough to build up the tabernacle, to resurrect the sanctuary, the place of worship. Each one of us holds value. And when our heart is a heart of thankfulness and we're walking with a heart of gratitude, then we walk on purpose to bring the value to the table. What is it that we hold? What is it that God's pulling from us that he wants us to give? What gifting is it that he wants us to put forth. I'm not talking about this church. I'm going to give you a general church statistic, but our fall festival proved to be completely incorrect for this body. Typically, 20% of the people do 80% of the work. It's the way it works. Why? If 20% of the people had have showed up with their offerings, the tabernacle would have never been resurrected. It would have never been constructed. All 100% have been healed. And Jesus looks at us and says, where's the other nine? What is it that we've got? What value do we have to bring? Not just to this house, but into your life, into your family, into your job. What is it that is your thing that you're good at? What is it that you know? Would you pray with me? Father, Father,